when the imagination ignites. You are pulled into either a world of the fantastic or a world of the dark and twisted. But not everything that is dark and twisted is fiction. And even old stories are based upon some truth. That truth gets recorded in the Pluto Archives. Every 150 years, a super blue blood moon eclipse occurs. This is when three celestial events occur simultaneously. A supermoon, a blue moon, and a full lunar eclipse. A supermoon is when the moon is closest to the Earth and is full, making it look larger and brighter than any other moon. A blue moon is when there are two full moons in a calendar month. The second moon is called a blue moon and has a bluish tinge to it. The blood moon is named for its color as it looks red in places, mixing with the blue tint. Lastly, this all occurs with a full lunar eclipse. Something this rare is reserved for a special type of magic, when you can use the celestial energy to complete a unique spell. This type of event is so powerful that God only allows it to happen every century and a half. I have seen 16 such moons in my long life, and soon another one will take place. How can this be, you may ask? It is a long and old tale that I'm finally willing to tell, willing to divulge my secrets to you. I was born in a time before Christ came to the earth, when people were lawless heathens determined to survive, when religion as we now know it was new, when the idea of only worshiping one God was frowned upon. I believe it was close to 500 BCE. We did not keep track of the days, and the calendar was a foreign idea, as were birthdays. I lived in a small village in southern Gaul. We would know that area as France and Western Europe on maps today. The religion of the day was Celtic, and we worshiped the goddess and the Mother Earth. Our life was simple back then, until Cassius arrived. He was tall for a man, muscularly built, with dark wavy hair and crystal blue eyes. He had come to our village to teach us about the true God, as he put it, the creator of all things. I was immediately attracted to him as he was new, worldly, and knowledgeable. We did not have many visitors in the village, and I had grown up with most of the men. He had picked our village because we did not have a strong druid priest presence, as they only made their rounds about every three years. I would go and listen to him speak by the river. He would tell us about his god and how we were special in his eyes, that his god wanted us to be happy and not suffer. I guess he could be categorized in present time as a man of the cloth. We married in the spring after his arrival and proceeded to have three children, Claudia, Andrea, and Marcus. I was raised in the light of the goddess. Even though I loved Cassius, I could never truly accept his god into my life, though I pretended to. I thought we had a good life. Three beautiful children, a nice home, plenty to eat, until one day I decided to pick berries down by the water. I remember it like it was yesterday. We had had a wet spring, which led into a warm summer, making the berries large and sweet. You could smell the honeysuckle blooming, being carried by a warm breeze that tickled my face. 
I had just come through the copse of trees when I saw Cassius kissing another woman. A much younger woman, with her dress around her waist and his hand up her skirt. I turned and ran away from them, not believing my eyes. I had no idea where I was running to as the betrayal I felt overwhelmed me. When I could run no more, I collapsed to my knees, finding myself at the goddess's altar. Beseeching her, I prayed for release to the afterworld, not wanting to accept what my eyes had seen. Please, mother, take me from this earthly plane. Remove my sorrow so that I may not feel any longer. If I must remain here, please restore my youth so that I may reside in happiness and your glory. I repeated this prayer to her over and over until I was hoarse, and no sound would escape my lips. You know, they say when you pray to the goddess, you must be careful about what you wish for, that words have power. When I look back on it, I can see that she did indeed answer my prayer, though at the time I felt she had ignored me and my pain. That was the day Ashmedai appeared to me. He had come to me in the form of a forest creature, a roe deer, which is small and unthreatening. Why are you crying, child? The deer's voice was smooth and calming. I remember looking up startled by the talking animal. However, I could not voice my dismay as my prayers to the goddess had taken my ability to create sound. The deer began to move closer, but I did not retreat and allowed his presence to soothe me. He told me that he had been watching me and proceeded to divulge all my secrets and hidden desires. My name is Ajmadai, he exclaimed, and I can help you. I can provide you with what your heart most desires. I can turn back the time. I can restore your youth. I can make Cassius regret his indiscretions. All I need from you is your loyalty and your devotion. I must admit he had piqued my curiosity. I was so mad and hurt. I listened without objection, the betrayal fracturing my heart like sharp shards of glass. I knew I had no business entertaining this idea. Ashmedai was the dark creature of judgment. He was known to be the devil of sensuality and luxury, and he was going to be my downfall. As I could not speak, I shook my head no, and proceeded to push my body up from the ground. Entertaining these thoughts would be detrimental, and I knew that. I had heard the stories of how humans would be roped into the demon's clutches, and that there was always a high price to pay for his assistance. I turned and left the deer where it was standing, trying to forget about what he was promising. When I reached the village, Cassius was in the temple he had constructed to his god. I watched him on his knees praying at the altar. For what? I can only assume forgiveness. I left him there in his supplication as I turned to go home, my body feeling numb from the emotions encompassing me of the day's events. Because I'm telling you the story now, we can assume that I could not let Cassius's unfaithfulness go. But it wasn't this event that drew me back to the goddess's temple. No, it was his repeat lack of disrespect for our marriage and his desire for younger women. I remember the day I returned to the forest temple. I had walked into the house to grab my shawl as the weather was turning cold. I was just about to enter my 40th winter. I froze as Cassius had the blacksmith's daughter bent over our eating table with her skirts over her head. They sounded like pigs running in the mud. 
Cassius looked at me as I entered the house but never stopped his movements, as if he was daring me to comment. I spat at him, cursing him and his god. It was at that moment I made the conscious decision to seek out Ashmedai. I would no longer let Cassius make me the fool. My heart hardened that day, and I knew I was willing to do whatever the creature of judgment required of me to restore my youth. I was going to make Cassius regret ever looking at another woman. I turned and ran from the house, my feet subconsciously taking me where I needed to go, taking me to Ashmedai. I abruptly stopped at the mouth of a cave, not knowing where I was. This time I could hear his voice from inside. He was not in the form of a roe deer, and his voice was not soft and welcoming. I see you have returned, daughter of the goddess. Bent into a deep curtsy and bowed my head to him, letting my hair cover my face as to hide the fear that was creeping into my expression. I knew not to show this devil fear if I wanted to be a worthy opponent. Have you come to show me fealty? I kept my head bowed and nodded my head yes. Come, enter, join my followers. Followers? I was shocked. There were more that chose to serve him? Getting what in return I did not know, nor did I want to. I proceeded to enter the cave. It was musty with the faint smell of burning wood. As I walked deeper into the dark depths, following the path through the rock walls, the smell of a burning fire became more prominent. Like those the village created an Albanier, the festival of the spring equinox. The air becomes stifling as I approach the origin of the fire. Just when I felt I could go no further into the cave because of the heat, the corridor opened into a large room where there must have been about a dozen people from the village. People I knew all dancing and swaying to the beat of a mysterious drum. They did not notice me as they were in a trance-like state. Then the beat faded and Ashmedai's voice became everyone's focal point. You, Antonia, true good, request the power of eternal youth. In return, you vow your fealty and devotion only to me. I realized with these words that only I could hear them and assume that the others had their own dialogue in their mind with the demon. He continued, In a fortnight, the powers of the heavens will open up to you. On the night of the super blue blood moon eclipse, you will bring Cassius true good to this altar, and you will sacrifice him and bathe in his blood. His blood will wipe away your age, and you will be made new in the light of the moon. Once this is complete, you will be my servant. Always. A dagger appeared in my hand. It was ornamental with the moon and stars engraved into the hilt. He said no more as my presence here was answer enough. I put the dagger into the folds of my gown and left the cave slower than I had come. I had two weeks to contrive a plan to get Cassius to the mouth of the cave. Since the night with the blacksmith's daughter, we had not spoken, and he had taken to sleeping in the temple. The days flew by quickly in my solitude, but I was not disheartened, to the contrary. I was elated with the hope of a new life. A redo, you could say. I felt I had wasted my youth on a disloyal man and was now given a second chance. The morning of the celestial event, I made my way to the temple to speak with Cassius. 
I wore the dress he liked and fixed my hair in the style he thought was becoming. He was just finishing practicing his sermon when I opened up the door to the place of worship, placing a dazzling smile on my face. I knew that he could not resist my cooking and invited him to dine with me, promising to cook his favorite meal. At first, he was hesitant. Then he agreed that we did need to talk. And what a better way than over a good meal. I returned home and began to implement my plan. I would put a sedative in the gravy and let him eat his fill. Why aren't you eating? I'm watching my figure. When he inquired why I was not partaking, I would drag him to the garden cart and push him to the cave. The plan was successful. I was even able to push the cart through the corridor to the vacant room where the bonfire once raged only a fortnight ago. The only issue I had was lugging his heavy body onto the altar. I know what you're thinking. How could I kill a man I claimed to love for over two decades? And I will tell you, it was easy. You can only kick a dog so many times before it bites back. Once his body was placed according to Ashmadai's instructions, I removed the dagger from my gown. At that moment, the demon appeared. You have done well, Antonia. The moonlight from an open space in the rock ceiling shined directly on Cassius's beautiful face. Even in his advanced age, he was still handsome. Now repeat after me. The demon's voice took me out of my reverie. Moon in the sky, stars in the heavens. I come this night with a request to have my youth which was stolen restored to me and let my heart be blessed. I repeated the words exactly as they were said to me. Then I instinctively raised the dagger over my head to plunge it into his heart. Just before the tip of the blade pierced his skin, his eyes looked at me in horror as he realized his death was imminent. I could not contain my joy at seeing his terror and pushed the blade into his heart, severing it in half in his chest with one thrust. The light left his eyes and his head fell to the side. I then slid his wrists and let them bleed out into a shallow bowl I had brought for the occasion. As Ashmadai had instructed, I needed to bathe in his blood. Once his lifeless corpse was devoid of all the red liquid, I proceeded to pour it over my head as I looked up at the celestial miracle above. It coated every part of me as I gave thanks to the moon, to the stars, to the goddess, and to Ashmadai. I knelt to him, the demon watching me complete this atrocious act, and kissed his feet, swearing my loyalty always. Rise, my child, and wash the blood from your face. See the beauty and youth I have bequeathed to you. I felt lighter, and my movements unhindered by age as I joyously ran to the nearby creek. I walked into the Russian water fully clothed and immersed myself completely. Once I re-emerged clean, Cassius's blood washed away and with it the signs of old age. I could see my reflection in the water as the moon was large and bright, the largest and brightest I had ever seen, and I repeated my thanks. It wasn't until about a century later when I noticed that I was starting to have crow's feet at the edges of my eyes. Angered word up in me as I was promised eternal youth. I had done everything that Ashmadai had requested, that and more. 
I remember yelling in the darkness. Demon, where are you? You lied to me! He appeared calm and unfazed. I did not lie to you, child. The celestial heavens can only bestow its magic for its life cycle. The confusion evident on my face. The moon's celestial miracle happens every century and a half. At which time you will need to complete the ritual again using its magic. This time using a descendant of Cassius. You will need their blood to restore your beauty, youth, and vibrance. You have five decades to find the direct descendant. Use the dagger under the super blue blood moon eclipse and reclaim your youth. If you do not complete this task, you will grow old rapidly and die. With these last words, the demon vanished, leaving me to my quandary. As I have said, I have seen 16 super blue blood moon eclipses and have sacrificed 16 of my children's children. You see, once you taste youth and immortality, it's like a drug that you cannot give up. And as the centuries passed, life for humans became easier and had more pleasure with it. I personally am looking forward to this new century and the promises it brings. Now I'm sure you're wondering why I chose you to disclose my dark secret. Well, it is because I've been waiting for you. You see, you are the only descendant of Cassius left I could find. Do you know what tonight is? It is the celestial miracle that will restore my youth. She opens the curtains to let the light of the moon shine in and pulls a dagger out of her pocket, the one she just recently described with the moon and stars in the hilt, and walks towards you. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please let us know by liking, subscribing, and telling all your friends. See you next time on the... Pluto Archives. This story was written by A.D. Morris, narrated by Azure M. Produced and directed by Noah J. Morris. This has been a Puka production.